2: is presented by Botano. The game starts now. Here are your hosts, Brent Wallace, Jason York, and
0: Bobby Ryan.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Brent Wallace alongside Jason York, former Ottawa senator, 13-year veteran. Now, Bobby Ryan remains off on uh, his uh, real estate development uh, Journey, uh, Yorkie, good to see you on a Monday morning. It's uh, the awards are tonight. There's a lots going. There's lots going on. Plus, uh, I, and I want to get right to it. We have uh, the founder of the Ottawa Senators, uh, Dr. Bruce Firestone, waiting. So I want to get right to him. But Yorkie, nice to see you.
1: Yeah, happy Monday morning, Wally. Uh, I'm hoping tonight for the NHL awards that. Uh, well, it's uh, Dirk Bentley, right? Yes. Dirk Bentley is hosting tonight. I hope they let because we talked about this last year. It was Keenan. Keenan Reynolds did it. They gave his script was awful, and then at the end they let him go, and he had that great joke about Matthews at the end. Yes. I just hope it's better tonight. Like, come on.
2: Can Can you name one Dirks Bentley song?
1: Yeah, I, he's got one of my favorite country songs ever, "Black." You never heard the song "Black"? Bruh, no. Oh, Wally, you, get, you can get into some Dirks Bentley. Man, he is good. He's got. Uh, he's run one of my. Of-
2: Drunk on a Plane is the only one I
1: know. He's one of my favorite country artists. That's actually a great get for the NHL. Uh, and it's in it's in Nashville. So Dirk Bentley, one of the biggest uh, country stars. So that to me, that's, uh, that's a pretty good get.
2: Well, we'll find out if it's good or not shortly. Uh, we'll also find out if Eric Carlson wins another Norris Trophy. He's up for the Lindsay as well. But we'll get to that in a bit later in the show. Uh, first, let's get right to it. We'll talk about our partners. And then we'll bring on uh, Dr. Bruce Firestone. All right. Uh, as always, this show coming in hot, proudly presented by Patano. Visit patano.ca or download the app, the award-winning app, state of the art, the fastest, most user-friendly, advanced betting app for your mobile or tablet. Uh, plus you can bet on all kinds of things, including like who is going to win the Toronto mayoralship Uh, have the amazing world of sports always with you at Patano. Hundreds of betting options are for events and try same-game parlays with Bet Builder. Also, live in-game betting, the most competitive odds on the market. Patano, the game starts now.
1: And we're also uh, supported from day one by the original hockey tape, Renfrew Pro. As always, we know this, it's hand terrible, easy to tear with your hands, Wally. Moisture-resistant, yeah, Help, helps with puck control. It's what the pros use. It's in every single NHL locker room, available at all major retailers. Look them up on the web at renfrew.com. RenfrewPro.com, it's the one with the green core. Uh, Instagram followers, give them a follower at RenfrewPro. Don't forget to tag your teammates for unlimited entries, and you can share your stories with 30 bonus entries. Uh,
2: By the way, also, you can go there on their website, uh, 15% off uh, ordering uh, hockey tape and uh, grip tape. Anyway, uh, go check them at RenfrewPro.com. And for 35 years, BEI built its reputation on providing quality, service, unmatched, Workmanship, uh, the BEI team putting forth the same commitment into building your new home. Uh, Escape the city and the big city price tags. Relocate to the Rent Subdivision, a project by BEI Homes just an hour west of Kanata. Uh, Detached homes, 70-foot frontage, water and sewer. Also semi-detached homes, plenty of affordable options. Go to bonishyourhomes.com. And remember, slow down in construction zones. Uh, Also, now time to welcome into the show the founder, of the uh, Ottawa's uh, modern-day Ottawa Senators, Dr. Bruce Firestone. Uh, Bruce, nice to see you on this uh,
0: Monday morning. It's great to be here, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about the current state of the Sens and also maybe a little bit of history, too. Yes, I'm excited. Like
2: I've always wanted to actually sit down. I know we've chatted a couple times, sit down and have a longer conversation about what all transpired with getting the Sens in Ottawa I feel like it would be a three day conversation. So we'll try to get in as much as we can (laughs) in the, in the meantime, Um, when you see, let's just, when you see the sale of this year's team and changing hands and all that stuff, um, give me your thoughts on moving forward with uh, Michael Andlower, which I I don't know if you know, but I know all you business people seem to have the same kind of acumen, uh, very smart people.
0: He's a, uh, by reputation, he's a very smart guy. And one of the things I think he did uh, right, Brent, was uh, uh, to get himself a seat at the table and be inside the tent. Like right from day one, you know, there were five, six, seven billionaires v- vying for, for a team. And quite, quite a few months ago now, I predicted the price tag for the Sens would be about a billion dollars. And people said, what? How could it possibly be a billion dollars? And I said, well, if you have five or six or seven billionaires vying for the team, You you know, uh, Jason, you know, some of the owners and many of them, I'm sure Uh, billionaires don't like being told, no; they're very competitive. And, uh, you know, Michael's no different. Uh, You know, he's a very nice person by reputation, uh, knowledgeable hockey guy. But if you think about it, uh, Brent, uh, let's say you and Jason owned a, a private golf course and I applied to to be a member there and you guys didn't like me very much the chances of you accepting me as a member are pretty slim. It's just a small group. I welcome everybody. It, it's you know, Jesus okay. I'm not believing that for a minute. You're right? But, but uh, you know, from my point of view, uh, I, I know that if you're already inside the tent, he was an alternate governor for Montreal. Yeah. He, he knew everybody around the table. I, I thought that would count for, for a great deal. And if you remember, Jim Balsillie so decided he was going to sue his way into the uh, oh. NHL. I don't know if you remember that, yep. but uh, he wanted a team for Hamilton or somewhere in Southern Ontario. And, uh, he, you know, he, he, he called me and said, you know, uh, laid out his plan. And I said, Oh my gosh, are you aware that Kerry Bettman and Bill Daly are both New York lawyers? And that should tell you everything you need to know about your strategy of suing your way into a private club. That probably isn't going to work.
1: That ain't working.
0: Not, not a chance.
2: That's too good. So uh, are you excited, uh, knowing all you know about the team and everything, uh, about the way the future now looks here in Ottawa?
0: Well, you know, i said before, Brent, uh, that an owner doesn't really have um, a great many responsibilities. Back in the day, uh, Bill Wirtz, uh, the former, uh, now passed away, owner of the Blackhawks, said to me, you know, in that Chicago Black- Blackhawks accent of his, his Chicago accent, <laughs> uh, you know, do you want to know the secrets of running a team, Bruce? And I said, uh, yes, I, I do, Mr. Words. And he said, um, he said, uh, you know, I, I, I tell him to sell 15,000 season tickets and keep on the phones until they do. And then he stopped and I listened to him. And I don't know if you guys remember those NFL commercials that were running for a while. Uh, this is before the pandemic Of what it was like to play a National Football League game in an empty stadium.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You yes. score the touchdown, you spike the ball and you, you look up in the stands and it's empty. And that was a very uh, important comment, I thought, from Mr. Words. And and that is the owner's job at the end of the day is really twofold. I got to look at this camera. (laughs) I got to get the left to right thing going. It only has two two, um, purposes, really major responsibilities. One uh, is to have a very close relationship with the fans, uh, the sponsorship, the business community and the political community in your town or city. That's number one. And number two is to put a good product on the ice or the court, the field, the pitch. That's really crucial. And I think the NHL uh, has it right uh, that you fill your building. Sponsors want to be associated with your team. You know, People want to come. It's more fun to go to a full building than a half empty building. And if you can do those two things, I think you'll, uh, you know, Mike will be very successful and I suspect he will be very successful.
2: Okay, so you brought up the building. So, mm. <laughs> let's get right to it. Uh, you tweeted, uh, I think, two days ago about... And it was an interesting tweet. Um, I think we have it. There it is. Uh, how long will it take to build a new Sens Arena at LeBreton? Uh, how long will it uh, How long will it take to build it pretty much anywhere else downtown? Cup uh, dot dot dot, in my humble opinion. Uh, all right, so in your uh expertise how do you see this play out
0: well really that's kind of that is my tweet i'll admit to it you know guilty (laughs) but um (laughs) you know but but having said that really we've been trying to build an arena at le breton for 30 years yeah um because the original location preferred location for what was then called the Palladiums, now Canadian Tire Center, was in fact Le Breton. And I talked to the chair of uh, the National Capital Commission, the NCC, uh, Jean Piggott. And uh, she, and I said, you, you know, would you consider an application to build an arena downtown at Le Breton? And she said, do you want the private answer or the public answer, Bruce? And I said, are they different, uh, Jean? And she said, yes, they are. Well, what's the private answer? And she said, the private answer is no. And it's no, because what the NCC has is a 150-year plan for Le Breton to build more national institutions there. So what became like the War Museum, maybe a new Supreme Court of Canada building. That was her vision and the vision of the NCC at the time. And she said, I'm sure you're going to to build a very nice rink, but to us, it's just a rink. So the answer is no. I said, what's the public answer? And she said, um, what well, what we do is we don't like to turn Canadians down, so we always say we'll study it, and so we'll study it, Bruce. Until one of two things happens: you give up and go away, or you die, whichever comes first. And frankly, we don't care.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: well, there's your answer.
1: Hey, yeah. Bruce. I, Bruce, I've always wondered this because I l- lived in Canada Lakes forever. When but. you look at when you look at where the rink is, and how come we ended up having the Centrum built where it is with all that stuff right there the rinks out there like why isn't all that stuff why wasn't that stuff not built around the rink from well, day one from day one from day one
0: so brend is, is right we're going to have a six hour discussion i can see that <laughs>
1: I, I just it just puzzles me i think well i, I know the part let, Bruce, let me so. finish something is
0: okay. i have the original
2: booklet of the palladium and it was supposed to all be built up, Yorkie. It was supposed to. Well, it's only all that it's stuff. it's only
1: common sense.
2: I know, but like where the parking lots are, it was Bruce. You can interrupt. I'm sorry. Is it was okay. going you to be full of buildings? For me.
0: <laughs> okay, so Jason, that is a hell of a question and a good one. Um, so what I'm going to explain is something that um, it, it, it's, it's not hard to follow, but it takes a little bit of thought. uh uh, uh, both of you may be old enough to remember that we did we were forced into a 13 and a half week ontario municipal board hearing with the provincial government of ontario the provincial government of ontario at that time was run by bob ray he was the ndp premier of the province of ontario he was elected with about 34 percent of the vote it just broke down perfectly to get him into power and he had uh i think I don't remember eight or nine, maybe 10 or 11 MPPs from the Hamilton-Wentworth area, and only one from Ottawa-Carlton. And when he talked to his caucus in Hamilton, they said, well, you know what, what we really want is we want an NHL team. And if you could put a you know a stick in the spokes of Bruce Firestone and, and the senators in Ottawa, maybe we can snatch the team to Hamilton and put it in the Cops Coliseum. So I was on the stand for 13 and a half weeks, or our company was, And I was on the stand personally for three and a half days going through a cross-examination. And then towards the end of the cross-examination, Jason, uh, the uh, Ontario government's lawyer, who's very clever, uh, said to me, uh, Mr. Firestone, um, isn't this just a real estate play? Isn't this just about real estate? It has nothing to do with hockey. And I said to him, uh, you know, I don't agree with that statement. In fact, I have a proposal to make. To you, Mr. Letter, his name was Tom Letterer, Mr. Letter, and to the province of Ontario, the opposition to the Palladium. I said, we will agree to freeze the land around the Palladium, the extra 500 acres that we bought, for a generation, for 25 years. Because you seem to feel that this land, which has never produced more than $7,500 worth of hay, <laughs> is more important than a new hockey arena and a National Hockey League team for my hometown. You seem to feel that way. Fair enough. So we will freeze the development on the additional 500 acres for a generation and do our best to farm it for whatever we can get for it. As long as we get the 100 acres we need to build the plate, And that's part of the reason why it took so long to get everything built around uh, that building. And I would also say to you, Yorkie, that this is a, um, a, a very important thing in land development. And that is, if you have a group of residents in Kanata Lakes, and you build an arena, sort of you put it inside that community, that established community, you're going to have a lot of opposition. Uh, Sometimes they call them NIMBYs, you know, not my backyard types. There might be one or two of those in Kanata Lakes. You remember Mm -hmm. I used to live there. Mm -hmm. And... um, And so you have to find a place where you put the arena and then people who are now moving into the Mattamy community or the Minto community, which are very, very close to the building. uh, They are people who pre-select to go there and want to live close to an arena or stadium. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's what happened. Mm -hmm.
2: So Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to get off topic, but should the arena be downtown or is Le Breton good enough? Where would if you had your choice right now, where would you put the arena?
0: Well, I, I, I would go with my original gut feeling that Le Breton is an excellent location. It used to be a fantastically vibrant, uh, small, um, small you know, in terms of low-rise buildings. It uh, was a tight uh, community full of working-class people until the government of Canada decided to bulldoze them out of their homes. And I think that the Cyril leader and uh, Eugene Melnick plan for Le Breton was outstanding. I don't know if you guys ever really closely looked at that, but uh, they, they worked with... Uh, uh, Gino Rossetti's son uh, out of uh, Detroit, Barry Hoban, FOTAN, some really great uh, local firms, and they developed a plan which would be mixed use. It would have You could live there, you could work there, shop there, learn there, play there, go to a, a hockey game or a concert. But the the problem that I think Michael's going to face is that instead of now having substantially all of the land at Le Breton, Ready, uh, enabled to be developed for the arena and ancillary facilities around it. It's now restricted to, I think, about six acres. That is not enough.
2: But, okay, so let me throw this out there, though. You're going to have smaller land development, plus, you're going to likely have lots of red tape, as with the NCC and probably with First Nations. Is it worth it, or should you just
0: move it to the city core? Uh, and avoid all that stuff? I, I don't think you would avoid anything, uh, okay. Brent. I, I really don't. And I think it would actually take longer. I mean, having said that, the NCC stands for No Commitment Club, right? <laughs> That's the real name. <laughs> and, um, and, and so the NCC, it is, it's very slow moving. They're a national yeah. institution and they, they are slow to move. But I, I suspect that uh, if, if we go quickly, uh, we could do it in 60 months. And if we go slow, it could take 10 years. Um, and uh, anywhere else you go, it's going to take a great deal of effort and time as well as money. So I think Le Breton is pretty good. And don't forget, one of the twenty limited partners that Michael has brought in is um, Claridge, mm-hmm. and Claridge has been building at Le Breton Flats for some time now. And Bill uh, and, and Mr. Maholtra, the founder of Claridge, is mm-hmm. very knowledgeable in terms of uh, you know getting his way uh, in terms of uh, you know the National Capital Commission and of course politically. Uh, here in ottawa so I, I i think that that michael's done a really good job getting ready for those negotiations
2: does this team still feel like your baby at all
0: well i often say i'm not the founder of the team i'm the mother <laughs> not that i know what being a mother is really like but um but um uh, you know if you think about mike Ilitch in detroit jason did you know mike
1: I was actually drafted by De- Detroit, uh, Bruce, and, that was, and, and I played 20 games. He was an amazing owner. He used to come down to the dressing room. The players loved him. The, the Detroit was the, you remember this, back in the early 90s, they were the pinnacle franchise. They had the Redbird one, their own plane. And I, I said this to Wally the other day, every good team, they have something in common. It starts at the top, right? And right. Uh, I, everybody thought the world of him.
0: Yeah, when he passed away, uh, everyone, the scouts, uh, the trainers, the coaches, the managers, the players, uh, the fans—they uh, really mourned him. They, they legitimately mourned him. And one of the things that I think uh, Eugene struggled with was—I uh, think you need the living, breathing, uh, beating heart of an owner in the building every day. And I think for tax reasons, Eugene could only be in Canada like 15 days. It's hard oh. to run a shoe store if you can't be in the shoe store every day, uh, hard, impossible to run a restaurant unless you're pretty much there all the time. And I think uh, the fact that Mike was so involved with uh, the league, uh, the players, uh, the corporate community in Detroit, you know, he was very committed to downtown Detroit at a time when Detroit was really suffering. So I, I, think, um, I think, you know, he, he probably felt too that the Red, Wink, Red Wings were his baby. I know the Words family felt that way about the Blackhawks. And certainly I felt that way, Brent, about the team. Um,
2: if you had to do it all over again, would you sit with Cyril Leader and Randy Sexton and go, yeah,
0: let's do this? Well, um, <laughs> I, I I get asked that a lot. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be prouder of of, of uh, Ottawa and, and, and the team. You know, it isn't that long ago that Ottawa, the Senators, were in the top five, six, or seven in revenues in the National Hockey League. Yep. I, I got a call, I remember, from uh, the Mighty Ducks when they were called the Mighty Ducks. Uh, I think Tony Tavares was uh, heading them up mm-hmm. at that time on an operating basis. And he looked at you know, the NHL reports. As you guys know, the owners compete like heck. They'll lie and cheat along with their managers when it comes to on ice. I mean, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, you got a, uh, you got a great deal with Yorkie here. He's only got one leg, but he's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so on the ice, I mean, oh, my gosh, you, you got to watch yourself. But um, in, in business terms, they cooperate very carefully and closely. And uh, so uh, he calls me up and says, how is it possible that Little Ottawa is outperforming? And I'm the richest county, I think, in the United States or certainly one of them orange county um you know is outperforming us in signage and corporate sponsorship and that's because right from the day that we built the palladium the canadian tire center we asked the architect gino Rossetti from detroit to make sure that he did what i call architectural signage. if there's a shot clock somewhere you put a sign next to it so it draws the eye and you get more value for that and um and so he sent a a group up to study with us uh in terms of uh, you know what kinds of things we're doing because when you're in a small market like Ottawa as opposed to Orange County, you have to work probably harder and smarter to to stay in the same place and if you 're exceeding the others um, then you're doing something right
1: Bruce, you kind of you kind of you kind of touched on it earlier with the importance of having an owner live in town. I go back to when I played here every single night the building was sold out it was five straight years and those glory yep. years in the early two thousand Ottawa sports fans what's from your experience, what is the secret to keeping the building full?
0: Well, it, there's no secret to that. I think a winning product certainly helps. Um, and the other thing that, you know, I did with Randy Saxon right from day one uh, was I remember opening night. You know, we were in the Civic Center, uh, you know, 10,000 seats with 12,000 people in the building. I don't know if you guys remember this, probably don't know, but we did not have our beer license, our liquor license that day. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know the, the the NDP and 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 the provincial <laughs> government didn't like us very much, and they held up our liquor license. And we're opening day. Uh, Rick Anderson, who is a a PR a specialist, was sitting in the minister's office, and he refused to leave. You know they wanted to kick him out. He wasn't going anywhere. He said, "I'm waiting for the minister to sign off." Finally, he gets it at like 4:30 or something like that. The game starts at seven. And uh, and he gets on a plane. He gets to the Ottawa airport. The police, the Ottawa police were fantastic. They gave him a police escort. And like literally at five after seven, after people started streaming into the building, we posted our license was able to serve here. But also that night, uh, Randy Sex and uh, Bruce Firestone and Sarah Leader were at gate one. And we were shaking hands with fans. Many of them wearing Montreal jerseys because our first game was against Montreal. And I asked them. I said, "Listen, tonight, if, you, if they were wearing a Montreal jerseys, said tonight you got to cheer for the centers. After this, you can go back to cheering for Montreal. But this is we haven't played a game <laughs> since uh, 1933. I think it, you know, it's been a long time. And uh, Jason, I'm sure you know this. Uh, it, the Maple Leaf fans are." Are, are sad uh, that they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. The last Stanley Cup the Senators won was 1927. So I don't think anybody's waited longer for a championship than we have.
1: Yeah, that's so true. So hey, I got a nostalgic question for you. You bet. Okay, everybody has their players. I was involved with my own little junior team. You always have a player you're sitting up in the box watching. Going back to those years, throw me a name that when you went to the games. A guy that you love to watch play.
0: Well, I, I would be with probably a hundred thousand other fans in Ottawa. We all cheered Brad Marsh. He didn't get a goal that year, our first <laughs> year. Uh, but in the last game of the year, you know, they put him at forward. They put him at center. They posted him. You know, he was a what do they call it, a den sticker or something like that when you were a kid. He was, yeah, yeah. It, you know, and try and shovel the puck in. We couldn't get him to get a goal. But Marshy said something fantastic, Jason which really helped us um, after we had lost you know, like 20 games out of 23 or something like that. I think we won one and tied two back when there were ties. Um, uh, he, he stood up in the dressing room because people were a little bit, you know, depressed, I think. I mean, you know, it's, it, it it's not fun to lose. Who, who likes losing? I don't, I don't know anyone. And he said, it's not that we're a bad team. It's just that we play in a very, very good league. <laughs> and everybody in the dressing room burst out laughing. I remember it was hilarious. And after that, the team relaxed. They started to play a little better. And, you know, the only thing I did that year to to try and help the team, because I knew it would be a tough year, um, was I said, we have to get 24 points or more. And uh, Laurie boschman I think, was our captain. And uh, Laurie asked me, why 24, Mr. Firestone? And I said, well, the worst ever team was the Washington Capitals expansion team. They got 22. And we, I know some of the players who played on that team, and they can't wait for somebody to come into the league and be worse because they get this question, oh, weren't you on the worst ever NHL team? It haunts them till they die. So I said, well, we've got to get 24 uh, or more. And you, how many points do you remember? How many points we got, Brent, in the first year? Is it 23? No, it was 24. Twenty four.
1: Twenty four on the so nose. The, the,
0: the third, the third, I got to put my fingers over here. Somewhere. <laughs> the third, the third goal uh, or responsibility of an owner is to set goals. If you look at what the uh, Golden Knights did, the owner there, he said, we will win a Stanley Cup within six years. And I said uh, to the team and publicly, uh, our, our goal in our first year is to get 24 points or more. Um, And I also said our goal was to make the playoffs in five years and challenge for a Stanley Cup in 7-12. to So I did set some goals, and we achieved all of them. Uh, We did compete for a Stanley Cup in that period. We didn't win one, though. Should have won in 05, or 03. Should have won. I mean, I I can tell you, boys, uh, you, you know, this is going back to your question, am I the founder of the team or the mother? Is this my baby? When they lost to the New Jersey Devils, yeah. And all, I think Charles Martin was the coach. Yeah. And that year, the Sens had never lost a lead in the third period. Never. That's right. And I think they were lead, leading 2-1 or something like that in the third period. And then This was <laughs> the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. And I thought, if we get to the, the Stanley Cup, we are going to clean up. We're going to get our Stanley Cup. Oh, I was so excited. And I think um, uh, they scored with a few minutes left to, to win, I think, 3-2. I went out into the parking lot, Yorkie, you know, because I lived in Canada Lakes, too. I had this van and I have five kids, a mother-in-law, my wife, you know, I have this eight seater. And um, and, uh, you know, I'm sitting at the wheel going to drive my family home. It's all it's pretty quiet in the car. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, uh, but I burst into tears. And I, I, I kind of knew at that point that I might not uh, be successful as an owner in terms of getting a cup for for, for the sense and for the. The fancier in Ottawa.
2: Uh, it, that was a tough game. There's no question about it. Uh, actually, just watched if uh, E60 just had the documentary on the the Mighty Ducks, uh, and that mm-hmm. was part of it. And I don't like to keep bringing that one up. Is uh, does Ottawa need to have a winner to be successful?
0: I, I think uh, I, I I can't imagine many of the owners uh, wanting to be involved in the National Hockey League or the English Premier League or National Football League without having a burning desire to win. And as I said, the three responsibilities of the owner, one of them is to, uh, is to ice a, a, or put on the court, pitch, whatever, a, a successful team. And really, uh, Cyril Leader said it beautifully once to me. He said, if we ever do manage to win the Stanley Cup, Bruce, we can live off of that for a generation. You've got to win.
1: That stamps.com, code program.
2: Interesting, okay. Um, I, got
1: a, I got one for Bruce. Bruce, you, you're, you're still a hockey fan, I know that. Mm-hmm. You, watch, you watch this current team. Give me your take on the current team. How far do you think they're away from, from legitimately com- competing in the playoffs and being on one of those upper echelon teams?
0: So I, I would start where you were referencing a few minutes ago, Jason, which is I'd start at the top. And um, I, I, I think that the American owners, the ones that I've known over the years, are tougher than Canadian owners and they have more financial resources. They do, uh, they play, you know, they, most of their revenues are in US dollars, not all, but most. And so they have more financial depth, both as owners of National Hockey League franchises, but also often with their business involvements. And they, are ruthless in terms of demanding performance whether it's from a coach or general manager an individual player i mean you, you, again look at the golden knights they don't have a lot of loyalty to anybody it's all about winning and canadians tend to be softer gentler versions of our american cousins we do and we have fewer resources and that is a huge handicap and will continue it that's in my opinion the reason why in 30 years, we haven't seen a Canadian Stanley Cup. We've come close a few times, but we have not seen one. And and stats don't lie, right? They don't. Um, you know, we have, what, uh, seven Canadian teams. And I hope one day, by the way, to see a Hamilton team and a Quebec team again. So maybe we'll be at nine. Mm-hmm. But whether you're seven or nine teams... Um, you would expect in that 30 years, you know, five or six Stanley Cups coming to Canada. We've had none. And I think it starts at the uh, ownership level. And so I, I think in terms of adding to the team, we, you know, you guys know this better than I do. I'm not a hockey expert. I'm just a fan now. But, uh, you know, you need the, the big guy in nets. Uh, you need a stud defenseman like uh Chris Pronger at his prime. Uh, You need a great center and at least one or two great wingers. And then you build around them. Uh, But you need an owner, which I'm hoping we do have now with resources, with knowledge, uh, with, you know, drive. I mean, you've got to have a burning desire. It starts at the top, Jason, as you said. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then maybe we'll see the senators uh, compete for a cup. But I I do think we're a fair ways away yet.
2: All right. Interesting you say that, though. But in Winnipeg, the Thompson family; it was worth fifty-two billion dollars. Yes, they, they are. are. So, they're, they're like the resources for them shouldn't be an issue. MLSE has got a, well, it's a little different, I guess. They've got lots of money, but they all seem to be in some kind of retirement fund. Um,
1: have you like, checked? Have you checked the no movement clauses on both players' contracts, Wally? Where there's usually okay. one team, there's usually one team on there.
0: <laughs> all I'm saying <laughs> is, they, like but Winnipeg has really the resources great. if they want. Brent, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it's, it's partly resources, but it's also partly management style. Uh, there's a reason why Americans are pretty much eating everybody's lunch in many, many ways. Um, in, in business terms, I'm talking about. And and, and so, you, you know, Canadians tend to be kinder, gentler. And yeah. it reflects in their management philosophy and everything they do. And, you know, listen, I, 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 I'm I guilty of it, too. Uh, you know, I, I like. I, I like the players that I have met almost to a man. And, um, and, and, you know, we let emotion color our judgment and, sure. and, in the business of winning, this is a ruthless business in the business of winning. You, you, you know, it's like being a general in a war. You, you have to be ruthless. You, 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 it's about winning. Uh, it's not about, um, uh, being nice to people and, and giving them retirement contracts for example.
2: Uh, you you mentioned chris pronger which i find entertaining because you drafted elect uh alex day ahead of him uh if no, you had to do it me.
1: if you had to do it over again, are you are you blaming bruce for this
2: would you have picked chris pronger
0: well you know I, I i would say to you the answer to that would be no but i did want to uh draft paul korea that year did you yes i did mm. and uh and, you know, John Ferguson, uh, Sr. was our director of player personnel. And John only knew two things. He knew horses and hockey players. And he told me they're very similar. You look at their teeth and their ankles. Um, you're supposed to laugh. That was a joke. I, I like um, it. I- uh, obviously he's a little slower. Yeah, you know, if you have to tell somebody it's a joke, it, it, it kind of bombed. But anyway, um, oh, you said <laughs> other things too that I can't say on your podcast. But um, so uh, I said, you know, that, that you know, Dage is a straight-ahead guy with speed. but Paul Career reminds me a little bit of Gretz. You know, uh, I remember talking to Glenn Sather back in the day, and he said. I, I had three magic little words that I used all the time when the game was, you know, hanging in balance. And they worked all the time. Was, oh, gosh, I'm going to learn the secret, you know, of whatever. And he said, yeah, you want to hear what they were? I said, you know, he had the big cigar going and everything. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah. He said, out there, Gretz.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that would make
2: sense.
1: So oh.
0: was but they they wouldn't work too well uh, unless you had a Gretzky playing for you who was a fantastic player. But I thought Paul uh, was um, very Gretzky like in his playmaking, and he was very hard to hit. You know, Gretz was impossible to hit. He was like built like a woman, right? Like skinny. But, but like you also Gretzky. didn't want to hit him because then Dave Semenko was coming. at Oh you. yeah, oh. Man, he'd kill you. But. Uh, you know, but having said that, you know, I, I wanted, it. but anyway, John said no, no, uh, Degg is, is, is the guy. And when you have somebody like Fergie yeah. who has great uh, credentials, uh, uh, you know, he did pick Alexi Yash, and and Yash was a pretty good player, the mm-hmm. heart uh, finalist. But I and Alex Dag for like was, if I'm not mistaken, the consensus number one. There wasn't he was,
1: like, he was, yeah, he was, and, and you know,
0: he did score 20 goals in his rookie season on, on what was a, still at that time not a very good team.
1: No, no. So
2: um, just a couple of questions before I let you go. One, if you could give Alfie any job in the organization, what would you give him?
0: Yeah, I saw that in your questions. And, uh, you know, I was going to answer kind of facetious, uh, you know what I mean? I was going to answer with a chuckle. Thank you. uh, You know, any job he wants. Uh, But um, uh, seriously, you know, I'd ask him where his skills would be best applied. And uh, you know, does he want to do some coaching? You know, does he want to uh, do some scouting? Does he want to do some public relations? Uh, you know, what is uh, his, you know, his uh, forte? What does he want to do? Um, if you guys remember Harold Ballard, he had a terrible relationship with his alumni, just terrible. I think some of them weren't even allowed in the building. I, I can't imagine that. But, uh, you know, and I met Harold, uh, up in his nest in the old Maple Leaf Gardens where he was living with a, a, a woman, uh, not his wife. And, um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, because I, cause I would, back then I was introducing myself to all the different owners, you know, and I would meet with Mr. Words and Mr. Griffiths out of Vancouver and, and many of the other owners, Jeremy Jacobs in Boston. And I went to see Mr. Ballard. Uh, I think he wasn't very well. And he comes to the door of this apartment that looks like, you know, somebody is a hoarder and um, opens the door in his bathroom. He's an old, older fellow. You know, his bathroom, he's got a bathroom on, but he doesn't managed to sort of close it and you've got nothing underneath you know it was quite the sight um <laughs> you know so anyway, i have no idea where i was going with that story <laughs>
1: was 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 the mistress there when you were there bruce was she was she in the background
0: yeah, she was in the background the, was there. the uh,
2: I'm, I'm just gonna move right on because I, oh, I know there's funny. a million stories you have and i just i don't want to keep going down <laughs> i just find some more is um you talked about the NDP government early on. Did you have to try and navigate the Carp River yourself with that other guy in the canoe? Uh, <laughs> oh.
0: No. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I have a kind of a related story that it might, might your listeners might enjoy, your viewers as well. Um, uh, you know, the NDP really did not want the senators to go ahead, and, and they, they really, you know, damaged our, our prospects. I mean, it, it, Yorkie, if we had had the extra 500 acres to develop, as you suggested, which was right, um, it, it would have helped the Sens, uh, you know, to the tune of probably half a billion dollars, maybe a little bit more. Um, so so in terms of resources, that certainly was a constraint. But um, we, we had, uh, you know, some some opponents, not very many. Uh, most uh, people, I, I think in the hundreds of thousands, were supporting the Sens, but uh, the NDP wasn't. And then we had a local farmer. I won't mention his name, doesn't matter now, uh, who came, uh, during this was in the summertime. So he came every day to the hearing, 13 and a half weeks, how a farmer can take 13 and a half weeks off to go to a hearing. I don't know. Um, he comes every day and I, I was there. And so I would, you know, I got to know him. He's an opponent. And he, he, he said, uh, you know, the land should be left to, as wet clay. Um, and, and, uh, you know, obviously I didn't agree with, but we, we became not friendly, but we got to know each other. And, um, Ten years after the Palladium opened, CBC—you know—they're always looking for something, right? Uh, if it bleeds, it leads, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know. So, so you guys are in the media, so I better be quiet. But anyway, uh, so so I—I I mean, I—I I don't watch CBC local news, but for some reason, I was flipping around on the channels, and there's this farmer t- on the 10th anniversary of the opening of the Palladium. And um, there must have been two cameras because they did the two-shot thing. So you could see the farmer and you could see the interviewer, a young woman. And she said, Mr. – I'll call him Smith. That's not his real name. Mr. Smith, you were an opponent of the Palladium. How do you feel on the 10th anniversary of the the opening of the building? She said, I was never an opponent of the team or of the building. Never. I didn't oppose. And, you, and then you see her look, you know, because they got the two cameras, right? She goes, yeah. oh. uh, you know, she's going to get mad at her editor for giving her bad information. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and and he said, no, 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 I was there every day, um, uh, you know, at the hearing, just to make sure they went through, you know, they dotted their I's and crossed their C's, just to make sure they went through the full process. I never was an opponent. In fact, uh, now that the uh, the Palladium has been open 10 years, my farm gate marketing business is off the charts successful. More people are coming out. They're buying more fruits and vegetables and nuts for me. It's been, the Palladium has been a great neighbor. I was always a supporter. <laughs> and, and the reason I tell you that story is that that sometimes you know uh, people say things and they come to realize over time that um, may, maybe their original idea or opinion was uh, was not well informed, and I think this had happened to him. Conveniently, he had forgotten you know what actually happened, but but what, what the reason I'm saying that is that it'll be very important for Michael to establish, as I said when we started this podcast. To establish a very good relationship with the fans, the corporate community, the sponsors, and also the political community. And by political, I I mean small p political. I don't mean uh, liberal, NDP, conservative, uh, you know, mayor, whatever. I mean political in the sense that you want people to support the arena at Le Breton. You want them to support an entertainment district, not on six acres, but on much more, I hope an entertainment district that all of Ottawa can be proud of. And, you know, there will be some opposition, there's no doubt. Um, but uh, if you think about Le Breton Flats as it exists today, it's just a bunch of isolated buildings in the middle of nowhere. And this, the NCC is right. After 25 years, they came around. And to animate the downtown core, we need a vibrant distillery district, which we have in Toronto, but we don't have in Ottawa.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, Bruce, yeah. people don't like change for the, for the most part. That's <laughs> everybody's against change but i do think this obviously ownership change is huge, huge. Uh, for this for this city and for like for the nhl i really think that michael Anlauer is <laughs> going to be an impactful owner as we move I, forward i'm
0: sure of it i'm sure of it i i've, I've talked to people who know him quite well and uh, they all speak very highly of him. very yeah uh
2: bruce we appreciate your time um in fact i may i want to bring you back on just so we can discuss that <laughs> The danger flute story, uh, because I read about it in The Athletic, and it's a fantastic story about the trumpets uh, that sound off the sands.
1: Wally, yeah, well, yeah, and after Bruce, I'm going to explain what a den sticker is to you after. Okay. It, was a, it, was a, it was a term. That's an old hangle seek term Bruce threw out at us there, a den sticker. Yeah,
2: I've never heard it, so I, I look forward oh, okay. to seeing it. Okay. You see, because you you,
1: you you don't know why, because you weren't allowed to play outside when you're young. That's why you are so mad. <laughs> a, a, den, a den sticker, Bruce, this is what yeah. a den sticker is. When you play angle seek, everyone goes and hides, yeah. but the den sticker hangs out and stays around where everyone has to come back to home base. And you would call that person a den sticker because they were cheating.
0: Correct. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, all right it's been a pleasure to, to uh, be with you. Thanks so much for including yeah. me in your show. Uh, Thanks,
1: Bruce.
2: There goes uh, Dr. Bruce Firestone, I the loved F- to. founder
1: hey, of the Odyssey. Bruce, Bruce was uh, rocking the flat the flatbill uh, new school uh, sense cap too. He's so funny. I gotta I, kick it. He yes. was, was so good. So like, good.
2: He and he's got tons of stories. Just
1: uh, Oh, how about that, eh? You wheel into the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. <laughs> Ballard invites you up. See de- I, robe wide open. Yeah. How you doing there?
2: I, I did not <laughs> see that coming. There was there was never a chance when I thought Howard Howard Ballard was going to make it into our uh, Howard Ballard would make it into our show Harold Ballard not Howard who's Howard Howard. He's his brother Howard He's a long lost brother (laughs) Uh, Okay Yorkie quickly uh, Does Eric Carlson win the Norris uh, tonight Uh, He is up by the way for the Ted Lindsay for uh, voted on by the players as MVP But he
1: is he he is going he is going to win the Norris in a landslide.
2: So, is Eric Carlson a uh, Hall of Fame player?
1: Yes, yes, and his number should be retired by the Senators. He's wow, in my opinion. I, I listen. This guy is the best. Alfie is over time the greatest player to play for the Ottawa Senators. Sure. The most the most important player. Most important player. Yeah. But the most talented and most. How do I put this? I would say the Carlson, to me, is the best player, if you know what I mean. Like he gonna, is, He's
2: the best player to ever play for the Ottawa Senators. And so. here's the
1: thing. The Ottawa Senators had, for a period of time, one of the top three most talented players in the game playing for them, and that was Eric Carlson. It, it was McDavid, Crosby, and Carlson. And that, to me, when you have a player that is that good – you have to celebrate that player. And, that, and that's two Norrises. He's going to get a third. You, win a, you know how hard it is to win a Norris trophy? The Ottawa Senators have a guy that won the Norris twice for them. Twice! He's a Hall of Famer and Jersey retired for the Ottawa Senators.
2: Interesting. Um, did Doug Wilson just get in the Hall of Fame? I can't remember. I want to say yes. But
1: yes, he did. I believe he so, did. Yes, Randy yes, he did.
2: Carlisle, if I'm not mistaken, now is the only defenseman to win a Norris or two Norris and not be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like, it's almost an automatic. Um, so with that said, there is uh, he uh, before we go, he just commented at the oh, awards man. media day yesterday that uh, he is open to returning to Ottawa. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, 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 I've told you about Carlson man. I'm coming. Like at at first, okay. If you want to make this deal work, the only way you do it is Thomas Shabbat out, Carlson in. That's what you would do. And then you get you got to eat some salary somewhere. This is why I think, and because I've been thinking about this the last couple days, I I still believe this. I think Ottawa can, be, can make some noise in the playoffs two years from now. I think they're a playoff team this year coming up, especially with new ownership, especially with the resources they're going to have. Claude Giroux in the last year of his contract will be two years from now. You bring in an Eric Carlson, add him to the mix, because people will say, well, defensively, Carlson's not there. But to me, there's not a lot of di- difference defensively between Shabbat and Carlson. But there's a lot of difference offensively, so it's 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 I, I gotta give it some more thought. But if you're if if that move is going to happen, uh, who knows? Anything could happen. That salary that Shabbat is making, when is eight million dollars? Eight million dollars off the books. You bring Carlson in, who's making eleven five. I think roughly their contracts expire around the same time too, don't they, Wally? I think.
2: Yeah, I think, but I I feel like I know
1: I I, I know the age, but i thought of this as well. You get Carlson where the Sharks, maybe another team are taking some of that salary. And all of a sudden you're able to pay Carlson, maybe less than you're paying Shabbat. And I think a couple other things have, have to happen. If you make this move, you go out and you bring in another defenseman as well. Another, another good top four defenseman is because I think you need five. Vegas had six, but you need, you need five really good D and, and, uh, I think if you brought Carlson, and I'd love to see another really good, just solid defensive defenseman. Like I, I threw a name at you before the show. Like Brett Pesci sitting there, uh, 28 years old, would, would fit really nicely in the Ottawa Senators' core. Like there's just a guy that, you know, he, he, he plays D. He, he, he reminds me of a guy you see on the Vegas Golden Knights blue line. He's six foot three, he defends, he can move the puck. You add him to the core or a guy like Mackenzie Weger out in Calgary. There's some D out there that are very attractive that I would love to see uh, part of the Ottawa Senators. I, it's going to get them that much closer.
2: I would say uh, Mackenzie Weger would be untouchable because he just signed a long extension. But everybody seems to be getting off the bus in Calgary. So um, uh, I, anyway. But um, I,
1: I but, but to finish my thought on Carlson, Yeah. I, at first I thought no. But then I'm thinking – and is still going to be a really good player two years from now. Carlson, it's an intriguing thought, especially the way, and especially his comments right now about how, man, could you imagine the buzz in the city? You bring Carlson back, how electric it could be. Um, it is Brady Kachuk's team. And that's, that's the thing right now. Kachuk is now the captain. He's the leader. But I think Carlson's at the point in his career right now where he just wants to win. And... I love a guy i love the moxie of eric carlson when he's saying i don't care about the points like he is when a guy says he wants to you know basically it's because when you're retired you think about this you're like man i really miss playing when it counts and carlson wants to play when it counts and uh love those comments would i love to see him back here in ottawa absolutely i just think he's one of those guys hey he made the ottawa senators cool like he's one of those guys that is is when you when you look about Carlson the way he acts, the way he carries himself, the way he plays the game, just brought a lot of moxie to the team.
2: It's an uh So, just the cap hit is eleven point five for Eric Carlson. The cap hit for, as we know, for is eight million for Thomas Shabbat. Um, his actual salary comes down a bit. There is that uh, and and. But and Wally, and I'm not,
1: and I'm not, and, and I'm not saying I don't like Thomas Shabbat as a player. I love Thomas Shabbat as a player. I think he's a great player. I, I think he, it's, if if you don't make that move, I think Ottawa still is, in my opinion, a couple of years away from contending. I just think it's interesting because it's out there now that San Jose is going to eat some of the contract at 11 five. Absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. But then you think, you know, where where I just look at Giroux, where. He's still going to be good in a couple of years, I believe. With the right moves, the right tinkering, um, obviously a goaltender. What you're going to do with that position? I really believe this team is good enough to contend in a couple of years. I really do.
2: Uh, all right, but I you just told me uh, last show that if you're over 30, you can't play in the NHL anymore. So yeah,
1: if if you've just coming off major ACL surgery and and listen, I've I've heard that Tom. You know what, your boy Tom Wilson. Yeah. I'll throw a rumor out there. Oh. I'm hearing the Capitals are interested in making a deal with the Senators. I've heard that. Um, I'd love to see how Tom Wilson's has bounced back from that knee surgery. Because you imagine this, if you were able to make a move with Washington and Tom Wilson was 100%, you got one line with Brady Kachuk running, doing what he does out there, hitting, scoring. And then, you, then oh, here comes our second line. And, yeah, we got Tom Wilson on this line.
2: <laughs> like it would be. And then you... If you had some size in the third line, like I don't know who, yeah. or even someone that's got a little jam uh, on that, like you continue just to keep pounding guys down in the corner. That's
1: do you know else? Do you know who else is just a spitball here? You know, who else is interesting on that Washington roster. I keep looking at him, man. I thought he was going to be such a good player, was Anthony Mantha. I don't oh, know. Oh, me too. I, I, there's so yes. much, there's so much I like about his game when he was coming up in Detroit. 25 goals one year. He's six foot six. He used to be able to take over games. I know he's had yes. some injury problems in Washington, but uh, if you could, so many times, Wally, it's getting the right coach, the right group, and and this player all of a sudden he realizes the potential that he was a first round draft pick for the Red Wings. Like he's just an interesting name. That I think he could potentially get as well out of Washington. So we'll but, see. It's gonna it's gonna get exciting this week uh, with all the DeBrincat yeah. talk. <laughs> now you got Carlson's name out there. So it's, it's gonna be a fun uh, a fun week to be a hockey fan.
2: So I had him uh, when I covered the World Championships. He was there. He had a he had a really good World Championship. And I just right. like, that guy is a a monster and can get up the ice. I I, I really like Anthony Mantha, and I'm like you. I'm like where what happened like
1: injury Inj- 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 100% like it's certain players Let's that's, that's that's what i say a head coach his job everyone thinks it's systems and x and o's it's not it's not a head coach's job is to bring out the most and to untap that potential especially in players like that yeah. figure out the secret sauce to what makes guys click uh, what players you play them with, what situations you put them in. In and, and, and Washington, it's been a disaster for him, but he's a guy that's still young enough. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's big enough. It's starting to sound like Stuart Smalley. And God damn it, <laughs> gosh, people, darn it, people like Gosh him. darn it, people like him.
2: <laughs> I, re- I really like him. He, has, uh, he uses a white stick because he's colorblind.
1: Is he? Yeah. Look at you. Is that from the Wally notes when you did a game? You must have done a Washington game and you did your homework. World championships. I was like, why yeah. do you use a white
2: stick? He goes, I'm colorblind. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. So I got to say, hey, listen,
1: the one time you and I worked together over in Sweden. Sweden. Uh, we did the Sen series over there. I was, I'm going to give you some kudos here because you <laughs> say I never say good things about you. You gave me the most well-informed 30-page book database on the entire game that night and i'm like holy shit because i used to do a couple hours of prep before i go i don't have to do any prep i go wally's done everything it was fantastic your attention to detail wally i'll give you that i'll tell people right now because you never say i'm nice to you it was outstanding
2: i appreciate it shane knighty if you ever get a chance same thing when winnipeg would come to town i would give them my yeah. notes for the sends and they were like man these are fantastic but not everybody gets the wally notes not everybody <laughs> Not so everybody. uh all right uh we will be back later this week we'll talk about the draft that's coming up obviously um and the awards and what all transpired uh Yorkie, um enjoy your afternoon if you got to get to the course although the weather's terrible
1: yeah and it's still smoky outside it's, it's crazy sm- Yeah, uh, it's terrible
2: yeah. you know what just pour some old fashions and
1: just light the city on fire. He put some old-fashioned <laughs> with that smoke. All right. We'll see us later.
2: See ya! Thanks for watching, everybody. Yeah.
1: Take care. Coming in hot is brought to you by Botano.ca. Please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel to never miss an episode.